Hello Body Podcast with your hosts, Melissa Saccolario and myself, Katie Weber. In this episode, we have the immense privilege of interviewing Michelle Vigna-Baltas. Michelle is a professionally trained coach and a certified intuitive eating counselor. She supports midlife women who are ready to rewrite their stories around eating, body image, and movement. Her unique approach to living guides women to focus on meeting their own needs and respecting their bodies at all shapes, sizes, weights, and ages without apology. We had a great conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. We talk all about the health industry's focus on weight loss as the primary measure of success. We talk about fat phobia. We talk about weight gain during quarantine and navigating social media as a mature health practitioner. So sit back and enjoy. So uh, I guess um, we're going to get right into it then. Why okay. Don't, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the field of intuitive eating? Sure. Uh, I'm Michelle Vigna-Baltis, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I got into this work because, like so many of us who do this work, we had a really, you know, disordered, dysfunctional relationship with food and body, uh, you know, for for me, it was decades. Uh, and I just got sick and tired. I said, I can't you know, I had my son and I found myself really neurotic when I was feeding him. And as he was growing, I was just afraid that he would have a very, you know, disordered relationship with food. And I didn't want that for him. And, you know, by the time he started um, elementary school, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep dieting. I can't not not only not only can't I, of course I could have, I don't want to. Uh, I just made a very conscious decision. And one day I was looking ironically for another diet book, you know, and uh, intuitive eating came up in my, my Amazon feed. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And I started reading it, you know, started reading about it. And I was like, you know, why not? Let's just get it. It's not going to work for you, Michelle, but you could try it. You know, uh, it was just, it really piqued my curiosity and I got the book and I read it and I said, yeah, this is really nice in theory, but there's no way that this is going to work for me. Uh, because I thought my eating was so beyond, you know, anything that these people could know anything about. Uh, and that was the beginning you know, of my healing, really, I didn't realize it at the time, but the seed was planted. Uh, And then, you know, that was probably 2012. I was in uh, going for my health coaching certification at that time, which for me was looking back on it now was really made my eating more dysfunctional because of all the talk of organic and 
not that there's anything wrong with organic, but I was kind of leaning more toward the orthorexic side when I was in school. And uh, it took me a while to get out of that. And then it just continued, you know, even, even after I read intuitive eating. And so I said that this is not what I, this is not the direction I want to be moving in. So I hired uh, a coach to work with because I knew that I wanted freedom, but I didn't know that I could do it on my own because I had tried and I wasn't moving in the direction, like I said, that I wanted to be moving in. So I said, this is time to hire a pro, you know, uh, and after working with her, I was like, this is the direction I want to go with my uh, health coaching. You know, I always knew that food and specifically at that time, uh, what I thought was emotional eating was going to be my area that I was going to focus on. Uh, but after working with her, I realized that it was so much deeper than that. And it was just the whole dieting cycle that I wanted to help people get out of. Um, and at that time, it really wasn't called diet culture. And if it was, I certainly wasn't hearing it in the circles I was traveling in uh, until like later. But again, that was 2012. So that was a, that was a, you know, a while ago. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I feel like a lot has happened in the last eight years oh. in terms of bo the body image movement and body positivity. Absolutely. And just, yeah. And how we view intuitive eating, I think. Um, did you study at IIM? Yes, or where did you I, did. Your... I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. And, you know, I even feel that emotional eating has changed. Like, I don't even really talk about emotional eating very much, although obviously it exists. But you know, it's to me, it's like under the same umbrella of just disordered eating, period. I think that, you know, eight or so years ago, and even more than that, there was still so much shame around emotional eating. And people still mm -hmm. feel shameful about it. But my experience has been that once people really stop restricting, so much of that calms down, you know, uh, to a point where it's just normalized, like any other type of disordered eating. So all that like labeling of, Oh, I'm an emotional eater. It's just like, okay. And so, <laughs> let's, exactly. Let's, mm, let's yeah. move on, you know? Um, but back in the day, we'll as they say, you know, it was like this big gigantic shame spiral over emotional eating. And now it's for some people, like I said, it still is, but for the most part, I think people really understand that it's just another way that we don't understand ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even in their earlier days, you know, I know Janine Roth was kind of a gateway yes. for a lot of women who were getting off of the dieting mentality. But even Janine Roth, as, as, as wonderful as some of her books can be, there was always this sense of if I get over emotional eating, if I figure out intuitive eating, then I will lose all this yes. weight and everything will be wonderful. You know, yes. there was always this promise that you would finally lose all the weight. Um which I think, you know, that was something that, that as a movement, we really had to let go of, you know, the focus can't be on the ultimate happiness being in weight loss. A hundred percent agree. And even, when I also studied at IIN, I did it in 2016. And so I did the whole thing online, but was always amazed each week, you know, there would be a new speaker each week and they would come on and they would talk about how, you know, one week it was veganism and then the next mm -hmm. week it was juicing and then the next yeah. you know, it was all raw and you would get so into the fact that this was the answer to everything. But I always noticed that every single speaker sort of had the same pitch, which was, 
I was unhealthy. Then I tried X, Mm -hmm. like juicing or raw food or whatever it was they tried and that they're peddling. And I lost X amount of pounds. You know, that was always the sort of the way in which you measured success when it came to anything related to health through that program. And I felt like I I was still very much in the diet mindset when I took um, my health coaching certification as well. And was very much, even when I started with clients, the, the ultimate goal was weight loss. And, you know, I just, now looking back, I just remember how every, every single person that was there, that was their pitch, you know, yeah. this is successful. This is a great program. And I tried it and lost weight. I, I yeah, it's, it's hard. It was very hard for me to shake that. And, and like you, and, and I'm sure like you, you know, you too, Melissa, yeah, most of these things, you know, there's weight. There's always weight is always tied to everything, you know, in, in this in health and in quotes wellness field, you know, until like now and until people like us are really making it different uh, because, you know, it's always linked to, I mean, I've, I'm very vocal about, it. I used to do um, cleanses or whatever they're called detoxes. Like, you know, it's, and I think about it now and I'm like, well, that was part of your journey, you know, like that was, and there were lots of people who do this type of work who still do deep, not, not our type of work, but who are still in the wellness field who still do detoxes and believe in them. And I don't, haven't for years and you know but I did at one time you know um I never really in quotes peddled weight loss but when I did uh the detoxes it was always like oh well you could lose x number of pounds in this amount of time and other than that uh I I my focus has been fairly consistent in terms of like let's focus more on how you feel in self-care you know, like even really before I knew much about Hayes, that was always like, really, let's talk about what's going on in your life and what is causing, you know, this to happen and, and those types of things. And, you know, with a lot of that discussion and sort of teasing out those concerns, food usually fell into a place where it was more normalized. You know, it really wasn't about the food for most people. You know, of course, restriction is a a serious issue because that's what's leading to the binging. But uh, in most cases, but, you know, in general, just let's just talk about life. (laughs) So would you say that doing that kind of deep dive and uncovering is is really what helps your clients stop obsessing about their weight? I think it's one of the things that helps, Uh, you know, there are so many things and obviously everybody is different, but it's, there's so much fear of weight gain. I mean, so really untangling the internalized fat phobia, you know, that's, that's big, really dismantling beliefs because that's really at the, the foundation of all of this is what do you really believe in? about weight and about food and and all the rules and everything else you have it's all rooted in what your beliefs are so really and and also where do you want to go like what are your values you know and what do you what would you like it to be like you know and then kind of working from there uh but it's a lot of unraveling you know and a lot of the clients that I work with are midlife I also work with some teens but uh you know working with teens is is so different because they don't have decades of food issues under their belt. You know, working with midlife women, 
I mean, it could be three, four decades of dieting. That's a lot to unravel, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's just very carefully uh, and very, very compassionately just going through it all and seeing where the dots connect. Uh, and eventually they find their way out of the tunnel. So could you just, for some of our listeners, I know they haven't been exposed to really intuitive eating and the body positive movement and even haze. Could you just explain what fat phobia is for some of our listeners? Sure. Uh, I define it as like a fear of becoming fat or fear of people who are fat or in larger bodies. You know, and so their behaviors are really very fear based and, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, and, and this really dislike of of seeing fat, of having fat, of all of that type of thing. It's just to them, it's just probably one of the worst things that could happen to them, you know, is, is gaining weight uh, or being in a larger body and how they would move through the world with having that on their body and just the difficulties that it would uh, that it would bring about into their lives. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, we were talking about that in another episode, the, the statistic of young girls who are afraid of be, being fat as they as they age. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't remember the statistic, but it was just a staggering percentage of young girls who are afraid of being fat. And when you look at that statistic, they're not afraid of having the weight on their body and how that will affect their movement or their health, or they're not thinking about, will I be pre-diabetic? You know, they're thinking about how will I be received by others? Mm -hmm. How will I be perceived? How will I be treated mm -hmm. in this society? Right. Yeah. It's that whole, like, what will people think, like you said, and also, uh, what will people think of me? People will think I've let myself go in quotes. That's always the big one, you know? And, and for the women that I work with, again, and it's not only midlife women, but because there aren't a lot of us who are midlife who do this work, a lot of women that come to me say, I came to you because you can relate. You know, for them, mm -hmm. sometimes it is related to concerns if they're pre-diabetic or they're now diabetic or, you know, postmenopausal women or even in perimenopause, you know, the hormones are all over the place. And a lot of times that means cholesterol is elevating or on its, you know, it's elevating or it's already elevated. So their doctors are concerned because there's waking, which is completely expected at that phase of life, but they're shamed for it. And so they do have concerns about their health. But if I gain weight, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I'm going to get diabetic. My doctor tells me and of course, that's not always the case, but you know you have to manage. You have to manage those fears, uh, and also understand that genetics is a huge piece of it too. You know, um, so it, it's it's very it's it's difficult. But I think at any age, people are just concerned about what are people going to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. what are people going to say? And especially, I'm finding that now with COVID because some people have not seen family or friends sometimes for five or six months. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and sometimes they've seen them on zoom, but it's not the same as seeing somebody in person, you know? And so there's some shame spiraling there because people have put on some weight of, you know, during the COVID pause 
and they're feeling like I don't want to see people because I put on so much or weight. They're feeling, or you know, they're they're internalizing that pressure of well, I should have been using these six months to, you know, some people feel like they should have been using these six months to you know get the house or build the addition, right? Or some involved project, right. and, and other people feel like they should have been using the six, you know, to get their body back, yeah, right, or whatever, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about about that idea of kind of revealing yourself after a long period of time and how that would be psychologically effective. Yeah, women especially. Yeah, I remember that from my dieting days. So I remember when I would lose the weight for the how many you know tenth, fifteenth time or whatever, and then not seeing having not seen people for a while, and then putting the weight back on, and then the shame I would feel. <laughs> before I would go and see them again, because it was like, oh, I've gained the weight back again. Mm -hmm. And it, there was, it was just a horrible feeling and this dread, you know? Yeah, um, I, talk, yeah I talk about that in my book too, how the, the silence is so uh, loud when people who always tell you how great you look when you're dieting mm -hmm. and then they don't say anything, yep. you know? And, and it's knowing that that's coming and uh, being, you know, having that, being so reliant on those compliments yep when you're in the dieting mindset yeah I always say the applause stop the applause mm, stop yeah. you know and it's it's you know and just another reason not to be commenting on people's bodies no matter what size they are yeah absolutely that's something now did do you find is that something that the younger generation when you work with teens do, do they feel like they're wise to that uh, idea I think somewhat, I, I, you know, it's such a different world now in the inter, you know, especially Instagram is so great because there are so many young people that are in the body positive world. So, you know, their attitude is very no nonsense. At least that's been my experience with the teens I've worked with. And, you know, some are your classic, you know, diet culture victims. And then others are like, Oh, hell, I don't care about that kind of stuff. You know, like, they're like, I am what I am. And I like my whatever. And, and they're totally unapologetic. And I just love that. Uh, but then there are some that are still very steeped in it, still very, very steeped in it feel very, uh, you know, their self worth is totally tied to the number on the scale or the size of their genes. And it's, it's very, very hard for them. And it's very painful. You know, uh, so I think, it, you know, it's it kind of is a spectrum. Yeah, I want to talk about social media, actually, because I know I struggle a lot with getting on it and then getting off of it and then getting back on it and getting off of it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the body positivity movement skews so young. And I feel like, you know, there's so many of the you know, quote unquote big names who have a lot of followers who are doing such wonderful work. But I also feel like they really put themselves out there, both in sort of time and how much they share and a lot of like dancing around in their underwear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which I sort of feel like, you know, more power to you. That's just not my I'm not mm -hmm. going to do that. Um, so what, how have you felt being a, you know, a mature woman in this field? How have you felt with social media and how, has, you know, what is your relationship with, with building a building clientele and building a following? Uh, I think social media is a really interesting, it's an interesting enigma. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have to say that 
I've had a Facebook group for some time and I love my group. I feel very, it's a very intimate, safe space and I love facilitating in there. So Facebook has, I, you know, it's a love hate with Facebook. I think that there's so much good uh, politically. I don't love it because I, I don't love a lot of things that have been in the news related to Facebook. So I struggle with that piece of it a lot. Uh, Instagram, I think is fun for the most part. Uh, I think sometimes there's a lot of uh, very performative things and that kind of turns me off sometimes. And so, you know, I just have to keep like cultivating my feed so that it, it is aligned with my beliefs and what I feel like seeing because sometimes it's just too much, you know, and that's my self care is really just, how am I feeling when I'm looking at this stuff? If it's really just triggering me all over the place, unfollow for a while. I just give myself permission, you know, but my, my feed is pretty clean right now. You know, uh, some people I follow like for a little while and then I unfollow them and then I follow them again, you know, and I just, just try to keep the, I just allow and I just let it flow, you know, but Good mentality to embrace. Let it flow. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I think, I think it's dangerous. I think that I, I didn't, I don't think I know. I didn't always have the healthiest relationship with social media. And I was, you know, and being very honest, which is the only way I know how to be, I really felt like I was using it as, you know, where are the applause, where are the applause type things, how many likes, whatever. And now I think I've really relaxed into it. And I have found that the more I've relaxed, the more I've enjoyed it. You know, and I do need to take breaks from social media uh, because and I notice a huge difference in my attitude, in my stress levels. Uh, and so when I feel like it's getting to be too much, I just take a little break. Good advice. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I find I, my breaks are getting longer and longer because <laughs> I keep when, when I do go back, I, I get so quickly wrapped up in mm -hmm. that dopamine rush of the likes and yeah. who's, who's responding and why isn't anybody responding, you know, like know. just going back over and over again throughout the day and then getting upset and deleting the app and then bringing it back. <laughs> oh, and, you know, I, just know. Like, I know. So, oh my goodness. I, I, for me, I've also had to set up some boundaries around it, which has really helped me. Uh, and I really am very deliberate when I go on. Okay, I'm going to post to my story now. I'm going to post to my feed now. Uh, and then I'm getting the hell off. And then around like lunchtime or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll check. Okay, let me just make sure. Let me just add something else to my story or not. You know, and some days I don't feel like doing it. And I'm like, then don't. <laughs> The sky is not going to fall, Michelle, if you don't post your stories today. And that's it, you know? Yeah. So are you coaching clients full-time now? I coach clients, I would say part-time. I mean, I, you know, I don't really know what full-time is when you're an entrepreneur, to be honest. Like, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so, you know, I do I sit around eight hours a day and coach clients Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I do something part time just to really get out of the house, although I'm not out of the house now since COVID. Yeah. Uh, I do some consulting work. And then I, I work, I work a lot, honestly, on my business, but I don't consider it work. I really don't. I mean, 
I could see sitting at my computer eight hours a day coaching people over Zoom, I think I would die. It's so <laughs> fatiguing. It would that would really make me tired. Um, but I, you know, just like sort of prepping, and I just finished uh, a, a a pilot program for uh, to help people with you know get back into joyful movement. So that took up a lot of my time, uh, like writing and just you know doing videos and stuff like that. That was really time consuming, and sometimes I'll work till late, and then the next day I I will take like a few hours for myself, you know. So I like the flexibility of it. You know, I, I do. I mean, and, you know, I have a son who's in college. He's a sophomore. So when he was in high school, I had a lot more flexibility, you know, which I really wanted. Uh, so I would say that even though I do something part time, I do something consulting, I still am working full time as, as, you know, coaching, but not always that time is not always with clients it's doing other things too that's awesome so what made you want to branch into like intuitive movement how did that kind of programming come about that's a great question melissa uh i like to poll my followers you know every once in a while to kind of see what their needs are and the consistent thing that kept coming up was I'm not exercising, and when I do, I hate it, or I can't even get started because I dread it because all I did when I was exercising was thinking about how much weight I was going to lose, how my body was going to change. So it was a they were still coupling the weight loss and their body shape to movement, and they real that was a huge hurdle for people. And so I said, you know, this is something that people really need. They really want, they really need. They had a genuine desire to do it and they just couldn't get out of their own way. There was so much trauma there from, you know, the days when they were dieting and they were like, it makes them, it made them really sad. And I said, you know, this is something that people, you know, really are wanting and it really isn't done. It hasn't been done to my knowledge. So there's a lot of personal trainers and that's great, but a lot of people weren't to my knowledge, it really talking about exercise resistance and the reasons for that coming from the lens of diet trauma. So I said, this is an area that is really important to me and to the people that are following me. So I'm going to write something. Love and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it's not here's you know here's a exercise program for your movement program this is this is before you can even get to that part you know this will hopefully help people to be like okay i understand what is underneath all of this now i get it so now i can work with a personal trainer if that's if that's you know if they have resources that are available or now i can do whatever whatever because now i understand what what was going on behind the scenes Excellent. So what exactly would you define intuitive movement as? Well, intuitive movement to me is like really listening to your body as anything else that we do with, you know, intuitive, but it's really like, in what ways do you think you can move your body that will bring you joy, you know, and are you moving because this sounds good and feels good in your body? Or are you doing this because you think that the end result will be weight loss 
or changing your body in some way. So it's really like tuning in and, and, and seeing, you know, checking out all different types of movement and being curious about it, you know, and, and also another thing that people have really struggled with is that, you know, hypothetically, oh, well, I used to be a dancer, you know, and, and that's just not, I'm not able to do that now because I hurt my knee or I hurt my back or whatever it is. It's helping them really to mourn that. And then to find something else that may not do exactly the same thing emotionally for them, may not give them that same high, maybe that like running used to do, but that they can still find something that is still joyful for them, you know? So it's, it's helping them through that process also. And when you ask them what you think they might enjoy, do you find that initially it's kind of like crickets? Because I feel like that's what I get when I ask them, well, what do you actually think you'd like to do for movement? Right, right. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I mean, one of the things that I did for them is I gave them like a long list of possibilities, you know, and then I remind them, this does not need to be an event, (laughs) You know, you're not planning like, I don't know, like an inaugural ball. Just put on it. If it's if it gets too complicated, put a pair of sneakers on and walk around the block. Yeah. You know, it's just move your body. You know, it does not need to be an event. And I think for the women that just went through my program, it was like that's the other piece of it that we talk about is perfectionism and around movement and self-sabotaging themselves. And some of them, and, and I've other clients I've had, it's been the same thing is, well, I can't do it because I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have the other thing. And they just kept putting up roadblock after roadblock. And then when we started to really, you know, again, very compassionately get underneath all of it, it really was just, I don't know if I can do this. I'm afraid I'm going to look a certain way. I think my body is too big to do that. I don't think people my size should be, uh, hypothetically, should be uh, doing a bar class or something like that. And they just are putting like all of these things in front of them. And really what they just wanted to do was move, you know, so they had to give themselves permission to do that. Awesome. So how does somebody get involved with this program of yours? Well, we just finished the pilot. I'm just getting back the evaluations now. Uh, it was, it's like four modules and the, the group is supposed to be running for four weeks, but as usual, <laughs> I always like to give more people time. I don't want anyone to feel stressed or rushed, you know, so I kept the group open probably for like seven weeks instead of four. Uh, I gave people a couple of catch up weeks. So once I compile all the evaluations, I'll make some updates and then I'll be releasing it. So I'm thinking like in the next couple of weeks, uh, probably within the next month, I'll, I'll be re-releasing it with the improvements and, uh, and then it will just be, uh, I'll make it evergreen. So people will be able to purchase it, you know, uh, whenever they want. And it's going to be, you know, and I realize this is a, it's going to be relatively low cost. I don't have the exact figure yet. And I realize that relative is a very, you know, or low cost rather is very relative, but uh, it's going to be very likely under $200, probably even under 150. So very affordable for most people. 
And uh, it's a self-study and I'll have a group, you know, just to uh, people to touch base and, you know, talk about their wins, you know, or talk about where they're struggling. But it's really just something that is fun for people to do who really want to move and just don't know what to do and are just feeling really, really stuck. Yeah, that's really awesome to be able to give somebody the ability to move their body if they're feeling like they can't or there's just no way for them to do it. It's like you're opening a door for them and giving them the opportunity to experience movement and how much it can really make you feel amazing. Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. I think so too. And I, it is, I think it's a great opportunity for people. And again, it's for most, it would be affordable and that, you know, I'm all about like offering different price points because, you know, it's not easy. You know, not everybody has money just sitting around waiting to pay someone who's not, you know, who doesn't accept insurance. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have things like this available for people. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just, it's just a nice thing for people. And some people have already worked through all their food stuff or they're well on their way, but they can't seem to get the movement piece. You yeah. know, that was, that was what most of the people that I was talking to, they were like, I feel okay about my food and I'm working on my body stuff, but the movement is still not there, you know? So this was a nice thing for them to have. And it also, you know, what I'm hoping is that like other people, other professionals like yourselves, you know, get wind of it. And then it could be used to augment the work you're doing with people, because I do that with other programs, um, specifically with my body image clients. I refer them to like Vivian McMaster's um, one of her beautiful uh, like 30 day programs, picture taking and stuff like that. These are like nice, like mini programs to help augment the work that the coach or the RD is doing, you know, and it just kind of helps out. And it's nice to hear other perspectives too. 100%. It takes an army. <laughs> yes, indeed. It takes an army. It's nice to augment the work that you're doing privately with clients to have these other inputs, you know. Katie is still there. Oh, I think we lost Katie. Oh, no. I was saying she's awfully quiet. That's so weird. Ah, interesting. All right. Well, you have definitely kept the conversation going with me and answered all of our questions, even though I didn't directly ask you specifically the questions that we had planned, but I think you covered <laughs> all the bases with me. So if there's anything else you think you want to add to our conversation, uh, I don't think so. Thank you again for the opportunity. I think podcasts are really fun. And I think it's a really easy way for people to get great information from trained professionals who really care, you know, so thanks for doing this for our community, because we need as much of this good stuff as we can get. Yeah, that's actually how I discovered you. I think I think it was a Summer Inanins podcast I was listening to that I had first learned about you and then started following you and stalking you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, Summer's great. I, I, I've been following her for many years. Uh, and, you know, just some of these people, like I have such, you know, uh, I'm like kind of fangirly around them. 
And now like we have relationships. So it's just funny because, you know, after following people for so many years and you just learn so much from people, you know, you learn a lot from everybody. I mean, most people that I follow on Instagram, I just, I get so much from all their posts. Your posts are great. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just nice. It's just, it's a nice community. And I think we can all, if we're open to it, I think we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. I definitely learn a lot from everybody and, and um, it forces me to keep, you know, challenging my thoughts and growing into the professional I would like to be and um, be that person that I never had when I was going through, you know, my own journey. Um, yes. So I think it's great to have people like you and and all around uh, Instagram, if we can get more of people like us out there, maybe we'll have a chance of seeing the death of diet culture. Oh, I know. We're chipping away. We're chipping away. <laughs> it's an everyday thing for sure. Yes, it, it is a dream to watch it fall, but, you know, it might not yep. be in our lifetime, but we'll keep keep plugging away. That's right. That's all we can do. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you if they'd like to connect with you after this? Sure. Uh, my, my website is my name, michellevinabaltis.com. Uh, and my Facebook group is uh, Intuitive Eating and Body Confidence. Uh, or you can just look up uh, No Diet Sisterhood. And uh, on Instagram, it's my name, Michelle Vina Baltus underscore coach. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us and all your great information. I know Katie feels the same way. I can't believe we lost. Uh, she would have been a great uh, addition to this conversation. Uh, but we both thank you very much. And thank that's you. All right. Okay. Thanks, Melissa. And bye, Katie. <laughs> I know she's in Never Neverland somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to connect with her and uh, we'll keep you posted on the release date. Okay, great. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it. As you can tell, I had some issues with my microphone. I was listening at the end of the episode. I could hear everything that was happening. I just couldn't speak. So that's what happened at the end of that episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to give us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, take care, and we will see you in a couple weeks. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not